This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Monday the 6th of April 2020. In today's show, I speak to a man who's played and scored in each of the top five divisions in English football. He scored Blackpool's first and last goals in our Premier League season. He bagged a 500,000th goal in the Football League. And most importantly, he set the new hot trend for double-barreled surnames in professional football. It's an interview with seaside legend Gary Taylor Fletcher. Hello, Seasiders, everybody. Welcome back to the Seasiders podcast. Uh, I'm sat here virtually with a, a living legend of Blackpool Football Club, the one and only Mr. Gary Taylor Fletcher, aka GTF, aka Fletch. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Gary. It's a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Obviously, <laughs> circumstances couldn't be in the same place together, but it's yeah. virtual. It'll do. We have been mooting to do this interview for quite some time, haven't we? I was, I was actually going to do it. In the club, you know, when you were the um, club ambassador, I was going to grab you then and do it live, but this is the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Passes the time on, uh, on <laughs> <laughs> He's only doing this because he's got absolutely nothing better to do. So, yeah, the coronavirus does have its small mercy, so I could do these yeah. interviews there. <laughs> so, yeah, as I, as I said in the interview, guys, um, you're one of the four, forefathers of the, uh, the double-barreled surname. Everyone's at it these days, aren't they? So, yeah, there wasn't that many back then. Uh, how did yours come about? Uh, well, obviously, opposed to me, me uh, wife Viv. Um, she had the name Taylor. I was Fletcher, and she's the last in the line. And um, she was like, "I don't want to, want to lose lose my name." So me, I didn't want the children to be known, you know, as either Taylor or Fletcher, and not have the same surname as the parents or one of the parents. So we just put our heads together and all. We'll start a new one. We go Taylor Fletcher, so right. we keep yours, we keep mine, and, and go together. But I remember it was we were at Lincoln, and um, I bet they got the piss taken out of you, didn't you? Well, no, it, well, it wasn't. Those. That was the fans. <laughs> the fans were fuming because obviously I was the main player at the time, and they were all like, "Oh, I bet you these on royalties for the for the for the surname on the letters on the kits and stuff and things <laughs> like that." And 
you know, we got we got we got all sorts of things like that. But yeah, no, that, that was the reason. Obviously, it wasn't Gary Fletcher, but I think uh, GTF and Taylor Fletcher sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good brand. Yeah, yeah. If you were on The Apprentice, uh, yeah, they'd, they'd more than be happy with that, I think. But yeah, yeah. I, as I was saying to you, sort of offline before, it's a your name kind of stuck out on uh, just like Soccer Saturday whenever you were banging goals in at Huddersfield and Lincoln. Um, it's quite a memorable name. So maybe it's done you uh, a favour, you know, it's uh, progressed your career, career slightly. Yeah, I was just saying, the, the double battle names, the, the longer on Sky Sports, and the <laughs> seems to stick in people's minds. So yeah, no, it's done yeah, well. not, it's not as a, not as unique anymore, is it? They're all at it, aren't they? Kieran to... Yeah, yeah. KDH. Right at, now. Know, we've got KDH yeah. at Blackpool, Kieran Jewsby Hall. Have you seen his yeah. goals? Have you seen yeah, his goals? well, I, I, uh, I've known Bolton from Leicester and I know at Leicester they call him Scolzi. Um, I've watched him a few times from the 23s and stuff and yeah, he's a great player and um, you know, what a signing. He's unbelievable. Scolzi in relation to his ability or the way he looks? Um, I think of everything. I <laughs> think a bit of everything. Um, you know, I've good good mates with the under twenty three manager and he rates him very, very highly. All oh, right. So can you have a word with him to maybe stay another season? Extend it, yeah, stay another season. <laughs> well, I, I know he will be trying to probably look to get him out on loan somewhere playing again. So you know, as long as he's playing and I think obviously with Critch coming in the way he's helped under twenty three players at Liverpool develop and stuff. Yeah, I think we we did allude to that in the last pod that um having Critch in May, may may make more players want to come to Blackpool to play the kind of the uh, the, the Liverpool way. Just just you've reminded me now. What's your views on the Liverpool situation, which has obviously unfolded today about the, the furloughing of the non-playing staff? It was a bit of a shock. Yeah, it's a shock. And then uh, have they announced that it's just flipped up that they've announced that we're not going to do it now? Mm, that's right. Yeah, so they've, yeah. they've apologised and yeah. stuff. Like that, you know, so it's. Business thing, isn't it, for football? You know, mm. foreign owned, foreign owners, uh, American owners. Now, I think what someone put the, the furlong and over in America, um, that just means that the staff are put on leave but still get paid. It doesn't. It doesn't anything about the government or anything paying wages or something. Just it's like the thing of how they say you're, you're on garden leave for a little bit, sort of thing. Um, think- so whether they've got mixed up in right, that, okay. I don't know, but um, I'm sure they probably would have been advised I mean- beforehand. To be fair to them, they've, they've obviously reversed the decision and then they did the same with the... Do you remember when they tried to trademark the brand tickets. Liverpool? Oh, the brand, yeah. yeah. And everyone kicked yeah. off about that, didn't they? And they, they reversed yeah. it. So, you know, yeah. at yeah. least they, they, they listen. do listen. Yeah, you do listen. Yeah. yeah. So that's obviously a good thing. And yeah. you know, me, me being a, a big Liverpool fan, you know, uh, hopefully when the season does kickstart again, it won't be that long before they are the trophy. Yeah. Obviously, you scored at Liverpool, didn't you? Just this, we're going to do the full interview shortly. So, what was it yeah. like when you scored at Liverpool? I'm presuming you had a lot of family there as well. Was it? A... Yeah, well, I, I, it was at Bloomfield Road when I scored. It was. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Liverpool. I, I set up where Varnes' goal, uh, Luke Varney. That, that, little, that little flip. Yeah, you flipped yeah, it little, in. Yeah, little chip. Yeah, through, yeah. yeah. Uh, but now scored obviously at um, the Blackpool game. But just that that week was just a surreal week because. Um, obviously one of my close friends at Lincoln Richard Butcher yeah. he passed away sort of I think it was the Friday or the Saturday before um, massive Everton fan and he was one of the ones at Lincoln who I kept in touch with and we were always having banter and he passed away and I remember that day just and 
knew I was going to score. Did you? And I knew, yeah, just just knew I was going to score. And even in the, I think it was in the morning, I was like, I need to do something. So when as soon as I got to the ground, I grabbed um, just a plain white shirt and wrote a little message for yeah, him. I remember that. Gave it to the kit man Wilesy and said, "Listen, when I score, so be ready with this." And he was like, "What?" I said, "Listen, I'm going to score. Have it close to hand." I literally when I scored, ran straight over, and he was there with it. He, he said, "Right." He said, "As soon as you said that, I think he even sent some of his family to put some money on it because he he believed that he, he believed that I was going to score. Was obviously because of everything and that. So yeah. Wow. That's the power of self-belief, like in action, isn't it? Yeah, it's the power of self-belief. But one of the things that we had, I think, in the uh, lounge thing, we had a table of 14 with all my family and all that. Yeah. And stuff. And remember after the game, obviously, walked in to the, the missus' face, Bib's face, and she made up and all that yeah. and stuff. And yeah. I just remember getting to the table and one of my friends was stood away. Not <laughs> and, uh, he said, I remember five years ago, he said, if I, I said, I'd never, I wouldn't speak to him, he's just going to really shut me on and said, right, I'm not speaking to now. And he didn't for about two weeks. Seriously? He wouldn't answer me calls, yeah, wouldn't answer me calls or anything. Of course, we did the double over them as well, so. Yeah, yeah. It, it, obviously, he's not the Liverpool of now, but he's still, he still sort of points on Liverpool in the Premier League and there's not many teams who, who get to do that, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah. Surreal moment for us Blackpool fans, uh, particularly when we were 2-0 up at Anfield, when I was growing up, Liverpool were, the, the, I'm a bit older than you, so they were the, they dominated football and to, you never won at Anfield, never mind being 2-0 up. So, yeah. to go there as a Blackpool yeah. fan, I was under the stands at half-time, said to me that, I said, is this actually happening? You know, is this real? I, yeah, I think as well, though, you're saying being 2-0 up, but we absolutely battered them and we deserve to be yeah. even probably, you know, a few more. Um, that first half, I remember with my mate who obviously wouldn't speak to me. I remember after the game, he said, "He said I've never seen a team come and dominate at Anfield like you just did." He said we we couldn't get near us; we were all yeah. over the place. Um, he said, "You know," and he said, uh, "Play to you, you know, you pulled in and you hung on in the end. You know, yeah. we were on top for the last whatever." But he said, even you know, for sixty minutes, you were you were battering us and really on top and deserved the three points. And I remember after the game. In the last five five minutes, I think I had the worst cramp ever. Uh, I remember, just, yeah. I was like a madman that day. Yeah, I remember the last probably five minutes, I couldn't run. I remember Ollie put me up front um, just because you needed people who could run on the wings and stuff. And the pure um, adrenaline got you through. Yeah, yeah, got got through to the final whistle after the game. We were celebrating with, with obviously all the Blackpool fans and that, and then turned around and you walking off the pitch and all of, oh no, all, it was the. That all of the cool fans yeah, had stayed and to clap us off the pitch because you know I remember that it, yeah they, they realised well that I mean, you know you, you come and you, you've been a better team and deserve to win and yeah, yeah it was, it was that, that was a surreal thing as well yeah, yeah quality right so this interview listeners it's actually we're going to go through Gary's history uh, and we're going to lead up to the Premier League so we're probably going to do two parts so there's quite a bit to get through in this interview so we're going to do the Premier League. I've got all night. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, so have I. So yeah. I'll put a coffee on and we'll do a three hour. Three hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've actually not written any notes for the Premier League, so I'll have to do it in two minutes. <laughs> but uh, right, let's get cracking then. Um, so tell us how about you made it into professional football and um, did you always want to be a footballer? Yeah, well, it was obviously a bit of a, a different journey to the, the norm. Um, I was... At Liverpool from when I was 11 to 15 
um, probably 13 and 14, and having a few health issues where just used to have fits, wasn't epileptic or anything. Um, it just used to be, just used to wake up. Um, and he said when we brain switched on waking up, it just sent me into into a fit. So um, it was, I had to miss quite a bit of training. Um, I remember towards the end when I was under 15s, um, I, we were playing Everton, the under 15s. Um, and I hadn't trained that much. Um, and the under 16s were playing Benfica and he didn't have enough players. Um, so you're like, well, listen, we want to put all our strongest ones who've been training and all that against Everton because you can go and play with the under 16s. You then, it was me and actual David Thompson. Um, when I look around and thinking back now when I was thinking it was Michael Owen, Stephen Gerrard. Um, I was playing up front with Michael Owen and I think we won something like 8-0. Um, I scored three, he scored three. Um, and not long after, I got released and stuff. But then when you look back at the year that I was at Liverpool, it was only me and David Thompson who actually went on to play um, in the Premier League or to have a, a sort of full-on high-end career. Oh. Uh, there's a lot of players who... We played sort of lower level or non-league, but there wasn't that many who had the prolonged career that we did. And we were the two ones who we told, yeah, you, you go and play with the old ones. We're going to put our strongest team on against Everton. So right. yeah, it was a bit surreal. So this this medical condition you had was that resolved or was that? Yeah, it was just it was just um, basically they put me on some tablets, which apparently I used to have to take one every night, and it helped you sleep and. Um, I was on them till I was 18, 19. I couldn't take my driving test um, or couldn't drive till I was 19. Um, you had to have, I think it was three years of right. non-fit, non-seizures to, to be able to do your really, um, driving license. I think I had the last one, last one at 15. Um, and then that was it. It was like, right, okay, got released by Liverpool. Um, and I was just happy playing play with my friends, just, just playing on a Saturday and Sunday, just playing grassroots football. Right. And it was only towards the end of sort of when I was leaving school that I wrote round to quite a few clubs asking for trials and stuff. And um, it was only Burnley who, who got back to me. Um, went to Burnley and playing game. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, he's a big lad. You know, he's just people are big lads. And I was doing quite well and scored a few goals. Was um, it a trial? It was about three or four training nights. Yeah. Um, so. Like that. And then after the fourth night, you're like, right, okay, yeah, we, we don't think, you know, we can see you've got talent, but uh, we're not going to offer you a, a pro contract. And I was like, what do you mean a pro contract? You're like, well, you know, looking at your details and stuff, you know, we can't offer you. And I was like, I'm only 15. You're like, what? It's like, I'm 15. You're like, been training with our under 18s. <laughs> I was like, right, okay, so. I played three games for the under-16s, scored, I think it was 10 goals, um, but they'd already given all the YTs out and didn't have any left at that time. Right. So, um, obviously, that didn't didn't happen. I remember Adrian Heath was the, the coach and he was like, well, give him a, a, a one-year pro or, you, you know, do something. You, you, what he's done, he's better than what we've got here. Um, but, you know, we've used all our YTs and we've got no funding. What can we do? And, the, the first team at that time, I can't remember what division you were in, but they were like, well, now he's not going to come and get on a pro contract or anything. You know, the, the money's a lot more than what a white team would be, so we wouldn't do it. And I think at that time, I just thought, it's just not meant to be. Right. Um, 
I'd sort of not not that I'd given up, but I thought, you know, I'll just go to college um, and then just try and go around the odd leagues. And it was only when I was at college that I kicked on. Um, I was playing for the the county. I was captain of Cheshire at, at sixteen um, for the first years I got in, like maybe captain. Um, and they had the England schools. Um, at the end of that first year, they had the England school trials, and I went to the trial. Uh, got literally told the trial date. Listen, you've got to be in the squad. Uh, they, they hadn't announced it. There was a lot of more trials and final trials, but I was told that, and then by the manager, I was going to be in the squad. Um, he said, "But you've got to go and play a better standard." Because uh, I was just playing literally uh, local club football, just in a social club. Um, I was sick being playing with. 25, 30 year olds, but it was probably one of the best things for me because Toughened you uh, the up. physical, yeah, the physical side of it and stuff. Playing against the men um, really, really brought me on. Um, so I'd, I'd had a year of playing against men, and then went to um, college, obviously in English schools. And it was just one day I was saying to my mate uh, who played for the college with me, I was like, "You was it Northwich?" She was like, "Yes." Yeah. So what he said, just at the youth. We're just at Norfolk youth team. Um, then I was like, right, well, listen, I need to play a better level. You've been asking me for ages to come down and play. I said, just speak to your manager and see if I can, you know, come down and have a trial or something. So he's like, well, we're training tonight, just come. So I went to the training on the Saturday for the, on the Thursday for the youth team. We had a game on the Sunday. So I played in that game, I think I scored six. Um, and then he was like, right, come train on the, the Tuesday and the Thursday, come to training. And then on the Saturday, uh, sorry, the Sunday we had a game again. I think I scored five. And after the game, I just remember the manager saying, oh, listen, you need to come over here. It was like, we need to discuss next week, um, training and stuff. I was like, right, okay. So walked over and the first team manager was there. And it was like, oh, right, you're right. Yeah. Um, he said, listen, you're not training on Tuesday. So we've got a, a match for the first team. He said, I'm signing for the first team and you, you've got to be on the bench for the first team. Was like, oh, right, okay. Turned up to the game, um, the striker who was meant to be starting was ill or was late from work or something, obviously with batters, confidence and stuff, and I ended up starting the game. And so from just going on trial to two games later, starting for the first team in a conference, you know, luckily I'd played against all the men, all the older ones, and knew how physical it was going to be. Um, and just really kicked on from there. Um, I think there was only about three games left of that season, but I think I played in all three of the games. Um, and it really gave me a little bit of a ground and, and, and sort of belief that, well, do you know what? I've, I've shown that I can I can do well and that I deserve to be at this level. So, you know, let's have a, a good pre-season and kick on from there. And at the end of the season, the manager got sacked, but Keith Alexander come in and he was probably the breath of fresh air that I needed because as soon as he seen me in training, he was like, I'm going to get you a move. I'm going to get you into the league. He had so much belief in me from when I was at Northridge and when I was at Lincoln and, He's probably one of the main reasons why I've got the career um, that I've got today. Right, so so Northwich Victoria, they were in the just below the football the conference. League, the conference, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, conference. Yeah, but then it was the, the Foxhall so conference. So you just rocked up, played a couple of training games, scored eleven in two, and that was it. You were in. You got a yeah. I was. I was. Uh, yeah, I was on the first team, uh, playing for the first team. We'd done the pre-season, and I think before Christmas, I'd scored something like. 12 goals in 18 games. Um, we had a good cup run. Um, I scored against Berry in the cup and then I scored two against Leighton Orient in the cup in the oh. first leg. Um, How old were you at the time? I was 17. 17? I was 17 oh. or 18, yeah. 
Um, so I scored two in that, but I'd always struggled with uh, tendonitis in my knees. And um, obviously back then it was the old proper Sand Astros um, training on them for North, which I was in college um, doing all PE on the Astro turf and all that. And I remember just before Christmas, I mean, I was really, really struggling. Um, we had Leighton Orient in the second game and there was a lot of teams watching me, um, like of Everton, Aston Villa. Um, very, very, being a Liverpool fan, very, very close to signing for um, Everton at that time, around about the time. But um, I remember just going into the second game, the second leg, and I was just like, my knee doesn't feel right. I remember after about, I think it was just before the, the final whistle, I've just gone for the header, and as I've landed, my whole knees just give away. Um, and they said what had happened was me, my tender, my patella tender in my knee had eaten away that much and it just weaken. It could sort of snap any time. So you said you've got to have sort of three months complete rest. Um, other than that, if that doesn't work, you're going to have to take the Achilles tender and put it into my knee. Jesus. Um, so it was, a, it was a big thing. And I remember, I think, oh, bloody hell, these teams wanted to sign me in January. Um, you know, what's going to happen here? So... The good thing with Norfolk and Keith is they, they looked after me, they, they paid all, obviously, back then it was not legal, they didn't have medical insurance or anything, but they paid all the medical bills and, and uh, used to go and see the crew physio every two nights to get treatment on my knee. Um, and for me, it was it was a bit of a, a difference because obviously I've been playing, I've been playing every game, it was probably the first time that I'd had a proper injury at eight, eight, 17, 18, out for three months. And I come back, uh, it was about a week before the transfer deadline in March and I'd only trained trained the, the Tuesday trained the Thursday and I remember after training on the Thursday like oh we've, we've had a, an offering for you I was like alright yeah Hull want to take you on loads at the end of the season I was like well I've not played a game yet I said I've trained two days what should I do he said well listen they've offered us uh, 25 grand to take me on loan to the end of the season he said we need the money so you're going to have to go yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> while you're recovering like, as well yeah, 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 so I'd only trained two days, um, but went to Hull. Um, you obviously made an impression, training. didn't you? You obviously made an impression yeah. for Hull to put that kind of faith in Yeah, you. yeah. Um, what division were they in at the time then, Hull? They were in League Two. So it was the year, I think, I don't know if Blackpool beat them in the... In the, in the um, no, Hull got beat by Leighton Orient. Yeah, did Blackpool beat Leighton Orient in the final? We did, yeah. Four, yeah. 2000, we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Millennium Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I was at I was at Hull, um, and then I was meant to sign for Hull in the summer, but they in the end took Gary Alexander, who was meant to be going to Leighton Orient, and I ended up signing for Leighton Orient. So that was our that was my sort of route into to professional football through colleges, through England schools, uh, through the conference, and then as I say. Had a little bit at Hull, but it was in the summer at Leighton Orient. Um, actually, bought me. I think I was nineteen. Just turned nine. It was nineteenth birthday. I signed for Leighton Orient. So it's obviously a big move for you going going down to London in the south. Um, you were reasonably young at the time, so was was there any trepidation in going down to the smoke? I would pause. Um, yeah, it did pause a little yeah. bit. Um, <laughs> was it you? Thinking? Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at that time, obviously, I was just living at home with my dad. Um, 19 years old didn't have a clue about obviously bills and everything I was just yeah. you know going to college living with my dad and obviously uh, got the call to move down to London and um, was in a steady relationship with obviously Viv um, 
And I was like, like, you know, I'm moving to London. Will you come with me? And, you know, she's come with me. She's been a, a rock and following me around everywhere. And, you know, it, it was at that time we moved down there and we were like two. She's a year younger, so she was only uh, 18 or 19. And two people leaving home, moving down to London was a, a big thing at the yeah, time. Yeah, I remember yeah. I had to win your mother to ask, ask how, to, how to get a mortgage, how to get a mortgage, how to do this. And it was, it was a, a big, big thing. But support I had from them, we had from our families and stuff. Yeah, so... Like Nori, you scored twenty one and uh, you scored two games and two goals in twenty one games, and then you were shipped out off on loan to Grays, Dagenham, and Dagenham again. I can see there. So, what happened there? Yeah, it was it was a funny time because obviously they they paid it was a hundred thousand pounds to sign me. Um, was that Barry Hurt? Money for a, yeah, 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 big money for a lead two club at the time. Um, Did you meet Barry Hearn? Yeah, yeah. What was he like? To, to be fair, Barry was Barry was really good. Um, you know, he was quite hands on at that time. Um, uh, went down there, was signed by Tommy Taylor. Um, had a really good preseason, and then for some reason, two months into the season, he decided to let Tommy go. Um, we weren't doing too bad, I don't think. I think we were sort of mid table, but I think after the, the year before getting beaten in the playoffs and stuff, I think he wanted to be up there challenging. Um, after two months, Tommy got um, sacked and he appointed, his name was Paul Brush, who was the under 18 coach. He was the main, the under 18s manager. And I remember his first days, sort of pulled me in. And he'd always been a little bit off with me from seeing him around a training ground and stuff. And I remember him saying to me, you know, I don't know why we've paid £100,000 for you. He said, my under 18s players are better than you. What? Um, and you, and you, his words to me were, "You will not play for this club while I'm here." So I was like, "Well, that's a big statement considering I've got three years on my contract, and you just paid all that money for me." Um, you know, so what was his know, beef? To, was he just could, did he want his own it, players? Did he? Did he, he want his? Yeah, he because because he, he he was sort of the youth team manager, and he he he, he didn't know why the club had spent hundred thousand pound on on an 18, 19-year-old player when he, he was bringing players through. And to be fair, some of the players that were in the, the younger ones at that time, you know, you had Adam McLean, who went on to, to Hulk, who was a, a really good player. Um, Jabba Weebray had a, had a really good good career. But the one thing with them at that time was they hadn't had the first-team experience. Um, I remember in training, uh, he used to ask me to demonstrate things to them and question, like, why, why can you do this and they can't? And they were like, well, I've been kicked up in the air. I've had 25, 30-year-old men go down the back of my legs with studs because they can't get near me. I said, I know how to use my body and, and play men's football. I said, these haven't done it yet. Yeah. So you're saying this, that they're better than me. Yeah, they might be better than me, but at the moment... I'm more of a complete I'm footballer. I'm more of a, yeah, I've yeah. got more of experience and how to do it. And he, he just couldn't fathom and couldn't grasp the, the fact what I was saying. And he had a little bit of a, a turbulent two years and then... It was only the end of the third, uh, start of the third year. Um, I remember during pre-season, I was absolutely flying. And I think I'd scored something like 10 goals in the eight friendlies or something, playing right wing. Um, and they'd signed Gary Alexander in the summer, but he'd been injured all, all pre-season. I hadn't, hadn't trained or anything. And I remember on the Tuesday, we were doing shape and I was in the starting team for the first game of the season. And on the Friday, we were, he was... Come in to name the team, and 
I was on the bench and Gary Alexander was starting. And I was like, so I went in and seen him and he's like, oh, I said, I know uh, he's not trained all year, but we, you know, we brought him in. He's going to be our number one. So, you know, you've done brilliantly. And I, you know, I've been telling you, you're going to be a big player this year. And I still believe it. But for this game, I'm, I'm going with him. Mm. And I was just like, I was, I was gobsmacked. I was like, you know, the, the pre-season I've had, um, scored all these goals. You know, we've had a little chat sort of our differences and now you're doing this. You've been telling me I'm going to start and going to do this and going to do that. Um, do you think the writing was on the wall then? Well, I don't know. I think he, he had changed, but I think I just had my defences up and at that time I just wanted to be, make sure I was playing. Um, so, I, 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 we we... I think I come on a sub in the game on the Saturday and then after the game I was upstairs in the lounge and Barry was there, he was always in there and um, I remember just going up to him and saying, listen, I, I want to leave, I want to go. Um, obviously with Paul in charge, you know, if I have another year like I have done the last two years, I'm coming to the end of my contract, I need to be playing. Um, so he was like, well, you're going to have to speak to Paul and went and spoke to Paul on the Monday um, and he said, well, if you can find someone who, who wants you then yeah you can go and the good thing was on the Sunday night I'd been speaking to one of my old Norfolk's teammates who had signed for um, Lincoln at the time under Keith Alexander Mark Bailey and he'd rang me on the Sunday saying listen what's happening he said you know we're desperate for another striker and I know the gaffer's been trying to get you for the last year but um, you know he's not had any joy and I was like listen tell him to ring tell him to, to ring up and put an offer in um, He's like, oh, we've got no money. I said, well, just have to ring up and say you want me, and then I'll sort the rest out. And um, on the the Monday afternoon, Monday night, I got a phone call from uh, Barry saying, you know, we've had an offer from Lincoln. He won't pay anything for you. Um, you know, what, what do you want to do? So I want to go and speak to them. So on the Tuesday, me and my wife drove up to the to Lincoln. Um, I think he had a he had a game the Tuesday night, um, and on the Wednesday we went and met Keith and. Uh, Everything was all sort of bit virtually sorted straight away, and he said the one thing he said, "Listen, you do what you done for Northwich for me." He said, "You'll play every game, and he said, I'll, I'll I'll help you get the career that you deserve." And I think just all back the well going to to Lincoln, but under the the manager who I knew I'd had success with and believed in me that much was, I think, the kickstart that I needed for my career. So it's it's obviously belief from the managers, obviously does wonders from, from what you're saying there. Obviously, with Ian Holloway, the, the same thing applies there. So your time at Lincoln, you were pretty prolific. You were one in three, so it's just over one in three, 90 appearances, 31 goals. So do you attribute a lot of your success there to Keith Alexander? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously, he was, he was unbelievable. Was he? Um, yeah, he was really good. He knew his management skills and he had a way of playing and people used to say, oh, Lincoln, long ball, but the players that we actually had in that team were very, very good players and, yeah, he did have a way of playing with big centre-halves who used to send up for goal kicks, but once we got into the opposition's half, he wanted he wanted us to play, he wanted us to, to pass the ball and get it down and, you know, what he said and how he wanted to play was get it away from our goal as quick as possible, get it into their half but then when we get it in their half, we need to keep the ball and play, and that's what we've done. But everyone just used to see the, the two big centre-halves going up for the goal kicks or for, for throw-ins and getting the ball into their half. But what they didn't see was the, the players that we had, the good players that 
we had the goals we scored, the, the way we played was was really good. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to mix it up in the in the lower divisions, haven't you? I mean, you've got to be a bit pragmatic in your style of play because, you know, you're not going to get the type of players that can just play tick-attacker football in that division. No. So I suppose you've got to be, you know, mix it up a bit. Yeah, but the, you had myself, you had a player called Simon Yeo who was very, very direct and quick, knew where the goal was, but he was very clever. And we had a, a sentiment called Peter Dane from... He was a, a young kid who'd been through the Tottenham ranks and the, the skill and the technique he had was unbelievable. And he wasn't suited to long and direct. I wasn't suited for long and direct, but the players around us were. Um, and he let help us flourish. And then, you know, he got to four playoff finals on the run. And unfortunately, we just couldn't get over that line to get promoted. But not many teams will do that and they might have one or two but then they sort of either they've gone up or if they've not they filtered down but he kept them going kept them going and especially on the budget that Lincoln had at that time and the troubles around the, the club at the time you know um, were, were magnificent achievement so It's lucky you joined the most successful playoff winning team in uh, in England then isn't it after that? Yeah well I think they got beat Lincoln got beat what was it? Four years on the run, and then I went to Huddersfield. Um, we I got. Said, I said that wrong. Actually, I was talking about Blackpool. Yeah, you know, missed, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. You missed the uh, Huddersfield. <laughs> yeah. from, so, from, yeah, uh, I've just said on your wiki that you got beaten the 2005 player final to Southend. Uh, yeah, that was that was at the, the time, and I remember um, the day after. Obviously, Keith, we we all had our meetings. My contract was up, and I was thought nailed on for another contract. And, he actually released me. What? He said, I'm not I'm not gonna offer you a contract. And I was like, You're pulling my leg here, you know, what's happening? He's like, no, he's <laughs> listening. He said, If I offer you a contract now, he said, I know you'll sign it. He said, But I think you'll go on to bigger and better things. Um he said, Obviously you, you, you must know already and I didn't have a clue, didn't have one iota, you know. All the fans come out and say uh, uh, at Lincoln have always said, Oh, you know, you were tapped up and stuff, but Honestly, at that time, I was gobsmacked. I didn't have a clue what, what was going to happen. I remember going home to me, my wife, and was like, he's released me. She's like, what? what? He's not offering me a contract. And rang him back up. You know, are you sure you're going to be? She's like, yeah, just, just bear with it. And then it was only about three hours later that um, I had a phone call from the agent saying, right, um, Peter Jackson and, and Gary Johnson, both obviously at the game on Saturday doing the commentary and both of them have offered you a contract and want to sign you. So you can either stay up north and, and go to Huddersfield or you can go down south and go to Yeovil. Um, he said they're both exactly the same contracts, both offering the same year term and everything. Um, but it's a no-brainer, really. make the decision. And but obviously, me and my wife, they've, we've been down to London, so we've been down south. We moved to Lincoln and we were like, we, we, we want to be a bit closer to home and, you know, it was only an hour from, what, yeah. 45 minutes to an hour from Liverpool and it was a no-brainer. We went to see the stadium, met Peter Jackson and the one, obviously, it's funny how things happen because I'd known Peter beforehand because when I was at Northwich, Keith Alexander introduced me to Peter Jackson to be my agent. So he was my agent when he wasn't in the job at Huddersfield uh, he got me removed to Leighton Orient and, and stuff and he tried to sign me a few times at Huddersfield from Lincoln um, but Lincoln refused. Um, I was sort of happy um, 
playing. Um, that this was in the first year. I think I'd only been at Lincoln for six months and he tried to buy me, but I said no because um, I was happy to be playing again. I wanted to stay with Keith, and um, it was just funny that I, I knew him. So again, managers have a little bit of belief in you. Um, was it was a big thing for me. Um, so obviously went to Huddersfield, had a, a great two years there. Um, the only thing was obviously they had Pavel Abbott who'd scored 30 goals of the year before and Andy Booby was Mr. Huddersfield ahead of me. So yeah, I remember him. You know, I was, yeah, I was I was battling uh, to sort of get games and stuff and I think it was after about four or five, well, probably about ten games. Um, we had Tramir away and we were getting beat 2-0. Uh, after about 20 minutes now right wing right midfielder has, has got injured and he's called me over and he's like listen you've got to go on right mid uh, and he said but I want you to play like a striker I was like right okay what so does that mean go on yeah, as right mid play like a striker yeah we're, we're 2 nil down we need goals we need more attacking players on the, on the pitch so um, you know just get up and down but when the ball's on the opposite side play as a sort of a right winger like he didn't, he didn't really have right wingers but then right mid and, and striker but um, I went on scored two goals we drew 2-2 two, two, and then from then I played right mid or left mid virtually every game till the end of the season and I think I was, ended up finishing top scorer in that first year um, from midfield and scored 15 goals in the end and you missed quite a um, the season as well so well October and November yeah yeah um, so, yeah it was quite a good achievement then really if you were back yeah for... yeah yeah, I was on, on the bench, but I used to always used to come on and score important goals. Um, and all around Christmas time, I think it was about two or three games on the run where I've come on and scored. So it was it was it was a it was a good time. I was enjoying my football. It was only sort of after and over that then the time that I really kicked on um, during that first season and really really was enjoying my football. Was enjoying being close to home. We did live in Huddersfield, but it was a it was a Strange one because at that time they had the they were called the young guns because they had I think it was about five or six players all come through the youth team at the same time all playing in the first team. Um, I was a little bit older. I think I was about twenty four, twenty five. Obviously settled down, married and stuff. But um, it was good because obviously you had the banter and, and the good young lads, and um, it was it was a, a good time in my life. But it was only when Peter Jackson left and Andy Ritchie's come in. Um, and basically, at that time, he was coming in, wanted to sort of freshen things up, wanted to bring some money into the club. And I was one of the only saleable assets that we had. And at the end of that season, I remember he told me, um, he was like, you know, I know you've got another two two years left on your contract, but I want to bring my own players in. I need to be told I need to raise some funds. So, you know, if we can get some offers in for you, then we're willing to let you go. And I was I was devastated a little bit because I was really enjoying my football. Um, had a really good end to the season and um, thought things were going to kick on from there. But I didn't expect, obviously, what had happened to, to move up again into the Championship every two years. Um, so from Lincoln to Huddersfield for two years, move up Huddersfield two years to Blackpool and moved up. And it was it was funny because um, obviously Blackpool had took Chris Brandon on loan towards the end of the season of the 2007 year and um, what I was told later that he wanted to sign me but the Huddersfield wouldn't let me go at that time and he ended up taking Chris Brandon um, and it was only in the summer when uh, after I spoke to Andy Ritchie he wanted to tell me that 
the news of Blackpool being interested was through my best mate stepdad. Um, he was at Liverpool and there, I think he was on the 16s coach at the time. And he was doing his coaching, as uh, I think it was a B licence or A licence at the time. But he was actually on the same course as Simon Grayson and got speaking to him. Uh, Simon was telling him how, how highly he rated me and wanted to, wanted to sign me uh, a few months before. And two days after that, I was at my best mate's wedding and speaking to my stepdad and he was like, oh, I was speaking to someone about you the other day. I was like, oh, I said, hopefully a manager, because obviously I've been told I can leave. He was like, it was. I was like, what? He said, yeah, the Blackpool manager, Simon Grayson. He said, he, he's he, uh, he's interested. He, he, he likes you as a player. I was like, right, well, when are you back with him? He said, tomorrow. I was like, right, well, just tell him. Tell him I've been told I can leave. So I remember about half nine that morning, obviously, being at a wedding, we'd had a few hung over, my phone's going, and like, who's this? And it was me, mate, stepdad. He's like, right here, I've got, got Simon on the phone here. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you asking from that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, uh, so basically spoke to Simon. He just asked, would I be interested in coming to Blackpool and stuff? And I'd, you know, I said, listen, I'll jump with a chance, you know, back closer to us. Oh, yeah, you're getting ne- you're getting progressively nearer to the northwest. Yeah, oh, you're getting back yeah, to the northwest um, now, progressively nearer to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, a, a step up, stepping the up the divisions and getting nearer to home. Yeah, both divisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was like, right, okay. He said, leave it with me. And I remember the next day, I had a, a golf day with Andy Ritchie. Uh, well, uh, it was the Huddersfield Town golf day, and for some reason, I don't know why, but the draw me with Andy Ritchie. So there was me, Andy Ritchie, and two fans. So Huddersfield fans. I remember Huddersfield fans. Yeah, I remember having to sit in a buggy and um, when we had the first meeting, I told them I didn't want to leave and, and stuff and all that. And you know, I was happy to stay at Huddersfield. And then we were sat in a buggy and ugh, what do I say? So anyway, he's come back to me. He's like, "Listen, have you have you thought about what we spoke about?" And I just laid it on. I was like, "Well, yeah, I've been thinking about it and stuff." And if I can get a, a club who's a bit closer to home, you know, me and my wife were talking about having kids and stuff, and you know, if I can get a bit closer to home, then you know, I'd, I'd speak to someone. He was like, right, okay. But anyway, about half an hour later, he's disappeared. Phone rang, disappeared, and then he's come back and he was like, right, um, might have a, a something for you. I was like, no, he said that was the Blackpool manager. Um, just put an offer in. I was like, all oh, right, okay. He said, yeah, he said it's not not what we. We, we won. Um, he said, you know, they're going to have to double the, the price of what we've offered. Um, but, you know, would you be interested in that? I was like, well, yeah, it's a championship club. You know, I didn't think I'd get a championship club and, you know, it's, it's, it's close to home. So, um, sort of played a bit dumb that I didn't you know exactly, you know, what had been said or, or anything. Um, All right. And then, yeah, there's about half an hour later. I don't think Simon knew that was actually on the golf day with Andy Ritchie. About half an hour later, my phone rang. Um, it was Simon. And it was like, yeah, I've put an offer in, but they're asking for this. You're going to have to speak to the manager and, you know, tell them we can't get to that. We can get up a little bit more and stuff, but try and force it through. So I was like, right, okay. Well, I'm actually sat. Well, I'm on a golf day with them. I'm just trying to take my shot now. I'll, I'll be back in a buggy with them in a minute. It's like, right, okay, just see what you can do. Right, okay. So he sat down and um, sat with them and we were talking and he was like, I was like, well, what have they offered? He said, oh, well, you've offered this, we want, want them to double it. I said, listen, you want to sell me, I want to go. It's, it, it's, the, it's a club that 
I've said, you know, I want to move to the, the, the higher club if possible, close to home. I said, it's ticking every box for me. So you can't stand in me way. You told me you want me to go, you know, what are you playing at? And he's like, oh, well, we will ask him for a little bit more and, and stuff. But I knew Blackpool would have gone a tiny bit more than what he did ask in the end. But um, it was all sorted, uh, all agreed. So the next day, down to Blackpool and that was the first, well, I didn't even, I didn't even get to meet Carl Oyston because <laughs> we were, we, we, he never turned up. Um, I remember I met him at the Tickle Trout at Junction, tw- oh, Junction right, 31. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was apparently fishing on what, somewhere along along there and Simon had arranged for him to be at the Tickle Trout at two o'clock. He just didn't um, turn up. So we've got the, Simon's turned up, he's like, right, trying to ring him, didn't, no answer. Uh, me and my agent were sat there and what's, what's going on here Simon was like listen I'm sorry he said this is the offer you know this is all he's, he's not going to go any higher he said he's rang he spoke to your chairman at Blackpool he knows exactly what you're on he's offered you a little bit more just to step up but he said you know it's, it's not much £50 more on everything than what you were on he said you know his, his idea is that you're coming to us to play championship football so we're giving you the chance to play championship football. So, you know, that's your offer, take it or leave it. And I remember the first, the first we're thing you, the agent just looked at each other and we were like, right, well, we'll leave it then. Okay. And I think Simon was a bit taken aback. And he was like, right, hold on, I need, I need to speak to him, I need to speak to him. And couldn't get hold of him. So in the end, we ended up walking out and, and heading home. Um, and I think the next day I turned up, turned up to field pre-season training on the, I think that was the Sunday on the Monday um, turned up to training and Andy Ritchie and all the coaches were like what are you doing here said, nothing's been agreed yet so you know, at the end of the day I'm still training still pre-season I want to come in they wouldn't let me join in any of the, the football or anything Time for a quick break in proceedings to say if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods please consider joining our Patreon support programme Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades, and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod to find out more and hopefully sign up. I could do running, but they wouldn't let me join in the football because they want me to get injured. And, um, I remember later on that afternoon, Simon rang me up and he was like, listen, I've spoke to him, I've managed to get you a little bit more of this, this and this. Uh, but what he said is, if you do well, you play so many games, he'll, he'll up your, your your wager and things like that and put all little incentives in. And it was one of them moments when I just thought, you know what? Roll the it's dice. Exactly, it's exactly what I've been asking for a, a, a club closer to home, higher division. So, you know, let, let, let's go for it. Let, let's go and take it. So, when signed, and I think the same day, I think me and Stephen Cray both signed the same day, exactly the same day. Um, and what two signers they turned out to be. Oh, yeah, Blackwood, exactly. You know? yeah. Uh, How much more did he offer you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a little bit more, but yeah, it, it wasn't anything. It's what, not four figures more, is it? Yeah. No, a few no, hundred quid more. No. Yeah, 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 a few, a few, yeah, to, to be the precise word, yeah. So, before you joined us, did you have any inklings or apprehensions 
we are aware of the Oystons. Did they have a reputation in football in circles at the time, or was it not that bad at the time? No, I, I, I had never, never, uh, they never come across them right. until, until obviously, um, he never turned up. <laughs> uh, that, that was the first. That was my first thing of him. Well, you know, your chance doesn't turn up or whatever. But yeah, um, didn't obviously put me off in the end. But um, yeah, it, it, it was it was a bit of a surreal time because obviously. He signed myself, I think Stephen Craney the same day, Michael Flynn. But the big, th- I played him against Blackpool um, obviously a few times. And the one big thing that just kept getting told was, was listen, we can get you. And Wes, if Westfield had if the deal comes through to get him signed, we've got him, we know we've got him, but it's not official yet. You know, we can have used to on the wings, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do well, we'll be a good force to sort of. Yeah. reckon with you know we'll be strong and all through pre-season I remember me and Wes just we clicked we, we got on like house on fire in training in matches you know he used to hate putting me and him on the same team in, in possessions I remember in one possession game uh, you had to get there was I think it was three teams of eight and you had to get 20 passes to get a point um, and me and Wes just we got the 20 passes just between me and him <laughs> And we, we we just clicked, and you know he's he's probably the, the best. I've, I've said it. He's he's the best player I've oh, played with. You know, was unbelievable talent, yeah. and you know what what a player. Right. Well, on my notes, I on, my, on, my notes on my notes, two thousand eight, two thousand nine season. Honestly, my last question is. Um, I want to know how good a player Wes Hulahan was to play with because well, he's. That, that, He's my. Um, he's, he's, he's the sort of player who who've, I'd be more than happy to you, to pay a ticket just to go and watch him. He was that good, oh, and I think he ranks up there yeah. as my favourite Blackpool player ever. He's yeah, he was a joy yeah, to was, watch. He, yeah, he was unbelievable, and you know, obviously we've had like of Charlie Adam, all them them players you know, played with. Uh, you know, I've read Mares, um, but for me, Wes, he he just stood out above everyone. Yeah. Um, was. I think it was just his, his character and his attitude and, and everything, you know, people used to give him, you know, people used to give him a, a bit of a tough time saying that he, he didn't care or whatever, but, you know, in training and matches, he used to give 100%. And, you know, yeah, he did used to enjoy himself, but he was a young lad. Um, but whenever he crossed that white line, you know, he'd give everything. And, you know, I think that was the same with quite a few of us at the time that Laddie brought in. Um, and then the likes of Holloway's took it on to the next level yeah. Bringing in the right type of character and sort of buying into what we wanted to do. So it's something else has just come into my mind. And um, Carl was half an hour late for Ian Holloway's meeting at the Tickle Trout. I don't know if you know about that. And I think yeah. apparently Ollie gave yeah. him a bit of a dressing down when he turned up late, looking all scruffy as well. Apparently, yeah, uh, probably probably just come off from, on, on straight from the uh, from fishing maybe or something. fishing yeah, or shooting or right. Right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're only a lower lowly player though, so you're not uh you know, you're not gonna you're not hanging up in the food chains to have a meeting with uh, Yeah, I was just say that. That, that, was the, that was the that was that was that was the, the, the feeling. That was that was what he was he was like, you know. Um the chairman generally he, go to these meetings though with players to the Um At that how... time Burroughs furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, it depends on how hands, hands-on they yeah. are and stuff. And Carl was quite hands-on at the time. So when I've signed for anyone else, it's not been the chairman. It's been either a chief exec and the manager or just the manager. Yeah. Um, but at that time, Carl was... We went we about three staff, we? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, there wasn't that many stuff. <laughs> Matt, Matt Smith and Carl Oyston, that was pretty much yeah, it. Not Matt Smith, yeah. Matt uh, Williams, sorry. Right, um, let's let's go on to the old seven eight season, let's start of it. So, yeah, so my first, first year at Blackpool. Yeah, you were signed um, by Simon Grayson, obviously, you got six in your first season, 42 appearances, so it was a, you were an ever-present almost, you are playing a lot of football. Um, so yeah. What, what are your initial impressions of the club um, when you joined um, and before you joined, obviously, did you get to see the training ground before you actually signed? Were you no, I see. I seen the pictures of the, the plans for the new one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about the fourth new one that they had plans. They had plans to for, but didn't see any of the the, the training ground. That's, uh, when I signed, I, I, that's what probably why they met me at the ticket out. <laughs> were, were, were you not uh, pre-warned by anyone? No, I didn't really know that many players there. I knew right. Paul Rachubka uh, from Huddersfield, but. Um, he was obviously enjoying it and at that time we trained at Myers School College oh, right. um, in yeah. Preston so the training facilities weren't too bad um, so it was one of them turned up to, to Myers School done all my paperwork there and then obviously was straight into training and you know the first day I just remember obviously me Stephen Crady Flinney but just how real the players were you know Keith Southern Ian Everett um, Sean Barker, every they're just the banter. But I think for what they'd done the year before, is they had a great spirit and yeah, you're on the back in, of the perfect you, ten, weren't you? Yeah, you're on, on the back of that perfect ten year. And going into it, obviously there, there was a, a wave of optimism going up. And me, obviously coming into it, was a little bit tough at the start because obviously Very you know, the players like to yeah, they were a tight knit bunch. Um, I remember it was me and Forbes who were the two right midfielders and um, Forbes who was very popular within the group and I was sort of taking his sort of place and it sort of whether anyone got put out and you know you don't you, know it. You were a lot better in than any Forbes. In football <laughs> that, that that was what it was like you know someone had taken place yeah. and you know you'd be like and it wasn't anything personal or anything but yeah. it, you know you'd always had that little bit of a, a thing against people in the same position actually it's just competitive nature and at that time, I, I think I, I struggled the first probably six or seven games of Blackpool. It was only, I think, after I'd scored my first goal, I think it was, that was about the fifth, fifth game into it or something, balls away, um, that that was when I thought, well, you know what, I'm, I, I do deserve to be here. I want to be part of this group. And, you know, no matter what, I've signed for two years. I'm going to be here for two years, so I need to make the most of it and get the opportunity and and crack on. Was that um, was that know, Wolves game that one where we absolutely battered them? Um, yeah, we, we, we should have five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It was boiling yeah, hot. Yeah, it should be about five 0 shouldn't it? Half time. Yeah, yeah. Scored my first goal. Great ball by Foxy. Uh, David Fox has put me through. Good yeah, touching, yeah. volleyed it in, and yeah. I think we, we were winning until about the 80th minute, and then yeah. for some reason, just last ten minutes, capsized and. Fred Eastwood scored two goals, and you know we would come off the pitch and how how have we lost that? Yeah. You know yeah. how how have we we not top three points from that game? So obviously the first game was um, I think it was, it was it was a massive thing. I mean for me personally, I'd never seen Blackpool play in the top tier. Um, I was brought up sporting Blackpool in the fourth division, third division, and we just kind of just yo-yoed between those two divisions. So it was actually yeah. the first time Blackpool had been in the. Um, well, Championship, Second Division, whatever you want to call it, since 1979. Um, it was at the Leicester City at the Walker Stadium and we beat them 1-0. And um, it was a... Were you aware of the gravity of the, the match for Blackpool fans? It was such a big thing for us. To no, obviously, yeah, it was that big thing, but I remember the build-up all, all into the weeks, like, obviously, Laddie had been going on about Wes and, you know, how we needed him to play. And it was a last-minute thing when it, Wes it, was announced. Was it announced on the day? It was yeah, it was announced on the obviously well, it was announced when Wes ran out for the warm up. No one knew. Uh, well, the players knew. We knew the night before that it had all been done uh, and and being processed that he could play and be done the tribunal with Livingston, Livingston, Livingston. Yeah, he'd done the, the tribunal and agreed everything, and he'd, he was, he'd signed the day before. He signed a Friday. Obviously, none of the fans knew, and then as we ran out, you know, Did he you- was running out was ready to play so did you all yeah, know how good he was yeah well he'd been he'd been pretty he'd, although he wasn't a Blackpool player he'd done the whole pre-season with us ah right okay so he couldn't play in any of the games but in all the training and he was he was there all the pre-season so obviously we I knew knew of him let's say that in the, the possession games and stuff you know if they put me and West together it, you, you, you would struggle to be not on the winning team so yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah, that that game against Leicester, I remember. Um, Blackpool was, fans were chanting "Blackpool are back" pretty much all. Yeah, game. yeah, and it was it their first game in the new ground as well. Yeah, it was their first game in the in the ground as well, and you know they were expecting our little Blackpool. They were going to yeah. come and absolutely hammer us. And I remember, Easy, yeah, I've, I've had a left foot shot that's been blocked, and it's come back out and. It's come to Keith and he's rifled it in, but it was right in front of all the Blackpool fans as well in the top corner. And just remember celebrating there and then hanging on, thinking, you know what, we're going to have a good year here. You know, yeah. it's going to be, this is easy, this championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so talking about Wes, and um, we can't not talk about the, the game at Deepdale and that penalty. For us to go there, we'd not played them in God knows how long. It must have been 10 years, maybe 10 years. And, what a game that was! What a day! And he'd he'd missed a penalty the previous week, hadn't he? And then for yeah. him to do what he did, I mean, what a measure well, of his self confidence. Well, the thing I remember, and um, music. Then. <laughs> um, I remember just when we got the penalty, and um, I've gone up to him and I said, I just I said to him, I said, think it is what I said. We've got, you know. You're not going to expect it. You missed last week. He's going to expect to hammer it. So just chip it down the middle. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. I said, why? You, you know, you Wes. And he was like, and he just looked at me and just started laughing and then just turned around and then he'd done it. And did you really? Uh, did you really? Yeah. You really yeah, said that. Yeah. 
honestly, I said, just go on, hit it down the middle, just just chip it down the middle. He's, he's going to dive early. He's going to expect to hammer it somewhere. Just, just you know, hit it down the middle and, and see what you can do. And as you say, he's, he's done it. He's digged it. And, you know, what a day. I think that was one of the main things of that year that a lot of the Blackpool fans will take and remember. Yeah. I don't think I've ever gone as berserk I did at an away game when that one in. Yeah, it was uh, surrounded by all my mates and my family. It was yeah, uh, it was a uh... yeah. And I, I remember we had the whole the entire the whole stand. Of that, yeah, the whole yeah. of that stand. Obviously, you scored in front of all the, all the fans <laughs> there, and yeah, but no, it was, it, yeah, unbelievable. Were, were you aware of how much it meant to us that game um, with the rest of the players? Because obviously, if you're not from. Blackpool, you're obviously not aware yeah. of how deep it goes, and it was a. At that, it was a at that time, I wasn't as much. Yeah, yeah at that, I knew obviously you could tell it with the feeling with the fans and and stuff, but it 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 wasn't. So obviously, me, I didn't know at that time, but obviously the 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 rivalry was soon bled into me, and you know <laughs> they were the games that you know you'd want to get everything yeah. and get the winning. Yeah, so. We finished nineteenth in that season. We we narrowly avoided relegation. Um, what were your thoughts on that season, um, the club, and how we might fare the following seasons? Do, do you think it was a decent season, a debut? It was good just to stay up, anyway. Yeah, I think that. Well, that, that was obviously the main thing. Obviously, when speaking to <coughs> sorry, when speaking to Simon when I first signed was right. Our main priority is to stay up. Is is safety. So whether we stay up by goal difference by a point, our main prerogative is to stay up. Yeah. So anything sort of less than that would have been a failure. But I think when we finished that season, I think we knew we did deserve to stay up. We'd done enough and what we needed to do. But if you look in them, probably we only won in one of the last probably 10 games that year. So we were, we were quite high up and probably got into a little bit of a lax attitude towards the last mm. few games that we thought we were already safe and job done you know, it, it, well, yeah it wasn't quite as uh, as straightforward as we thought but luckily we'd got enough and we'd stayed up yeah so moving on to 08 09 um, we had a we had a better finish from the 16th um, despite Simon Grayson leaving to go to Leeds on the 23rd of December just before Christmas um, what did the players think of the timing of that departure and how much of an influence was Tony Parks in steadying the ship? Well, listen, Tony Parks and Tom are absolutely vital to, to everything that Blackpool have done. You know, they were the, the two people who brought in Charlie Adam and DJ Campbell. You know, at the end of that year, they brought them two in, which gave us a real boost. But that year was, was a bit surreal. And I remember there was a few people looking at some of our players just before, I think it was, was it just before Christmas that he left or was it around, was around before, that time? And yeah. yeah, he was saying, listen, you you know, the grass isn't always greener. Uh, I, remember, I think it was the morning, the, the grass isn't always greener and, you know, I'm just getting started with what I want to do here and I won't be going anywhere. And then two hours later, you see him pulling in on <laughs> Sky Sports News into to the, uh, to the to his new club. And, well, it was probably... Why would you say that though? You know, if you yeah, you'd it, respect it, him more if he'd say, "Look, you know, this is leads my club, and they're a bigger club." You you, you kind of can't blame him for going. Oh but... no, you can't. As you say, Leeds were, were, were a massive club. Yeah, yeah. you know, they they obviously had a little bit of a, a bad time from the few years before with what happened, paying all the money out, and you know, from the 
Premier League going down, but you know, there's, there's ways he, doing things, I suppose. Isn't yeah, yeah. Did, there it, is, did, it, did it disappoint it, you all? I think it brought us closer together because obviously the, the chairman was like, "Well, listen, we're going to give it Tony and Tom to the end of the season, so you know, you just need to to get together as a squad, think about." what you can achieve and what you want to do and, and move on from there. And it's probably one of the, the main turning points for Blackpool as a club because obviously Ian Holloway's come in, Charlie Adam, DJ Campbell have come in. Mm. Three big factors in getting us promoted the year after. So you, pers- you personally, um, you've scored six goals again. You've scored 42 appearances again. Did you know that? No, it's not yeah. the same yeah. again. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? 42 and yeah. 6, 42 and 6. Did you expect to score more goals, um, given your your abilities? It was a little bit different because obviously we were a, a team higher up. When I was at Huddersfield, a lot of the attacking focus was through me, being one of the main players, whereas at Blackpool, obviously we had myself, we had Wes. You weren't an out-and-out striker, really, were you? No, I were, yeah. at, at Huddersfield, I was... I was given licence to, to go forward and, and sort of get in the box more whereas at under Simon it was like listen your defensive works first and then your attacking works second is that right so yeah, <laughs> yeah that, 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 that rings was, true to what we've seen yeah in his second yeah, stint that, gonna... that, that was what he, he sort of wanted he, he wanted me to make sure we were solid obviously I had Sean Barker behind me so it was me, me and Reggie were down the right and he just used to say you know you've just got to make sure you're solid in front of them and, you know, be compact and then we'll, whatever else we can do from there, right. you know, we go and do. And right. It sort of took away a little bit of my attacking intent yeah. sort yeah. of thing and what I could do. Uh, yeah, but like it also helped helped me gain further on in other ways because obviously I needed to, I got those, obviously the work rate, the defensive side of, of, of the game and it meant when, we did move on. It gave me another string to be both yeah. to say, well, yeah, I can be a midfielder. I can drop back deep and play as a defensive midfielder because quite a bit of the year after the Premier League, Ian Holloway used to do it quite a bit. Whenever we were, we needed a goal, he used to sacrifice a, a centre mid. He used to drop me back into midfield and put another striker on because he knew I'd still go on and push on and, and be a bit more creative in midfield mm-hmm. than what we, we might, might have had at that time. And, he also knew that I could do the defensive work. So, you know, he wasn't adverse to doing that if we needed goals. And it worked out quite well for quite a few times. So what would you say is your your, your optimal position or your most preferred position to play? What, what would you class yourself as? It, it, it's funny because obviously it's changed. Everyone said, as you get older, you drop back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was younger, I was a, an out-and-out striker. Um, when I went to... Lincoln, it was a bit different. We played sort of a similar front three as what we did at Blackpool, whereas we had three players who were in a front three who stayed up, but you could go anywhere. So I weren't the central one, I wasn't the right one, I wasn't the left one, but as soon as we didn't have the ball, as long as them three positions were filled, that was our job done. We, we, we could go out and attack, do what we wanted, but when we didn't have the ball, as long as your main then three positions are filled, so the two fullbacks are confined with one in the centre. That was that was happy days. And at that time, I was an out and out attacker. It was only when I sort of went to Huddersfield that I could drop back a little bit more, learn how to play as a midfielder. I even had, I think, it was about a sixth stint game as a defensive midfielder in a diamond. 
for Huddersfield. There was myself, I remember Frank Sinclair was behind me and it was after um, Peter Jackson had left. They had Andy Ritchie come in at the start and he wanted to play this diamond and he was like, you know, the only one who's got a bit of a brain who can tell these young players that we actually had a really young team what to do. So I used to just sit there in front of the back four and sort of tell people what to do. But I was one of the main playmakers used to get it off the back, the, the centre-halves and go out and play. And I still scored goals from there and he was, he was made up. But it was different, you know, at Blackpool in the Premier League, I was mainly used as uh, a right winger. But the year after, Sorry, the year before, I was mainly the central one. You had DJ and Brett on the wings. The year in the Premier League, it was DJ as the central one. I was on the right or as a number 10. So it's, it's tough to nail down. I think that's probably one of the things that have got me to create it off because I've been so versatile yeah. and playing a lot of different positions. Yeah, Mr. Versatile. Yeah. yeah. Right, so let's move on to 09-10. Right, the infamous 09-10 season. So obviously, Ian Holloway has been appointed as manager when was the first time you met him? And what were your initial thoughts? Obviously, all during that pre-season, uh, the off-season, there was all the rumours who's going to get it. And, you know, I think every one of them players wanted Tony Parks and Tom Holt to, to carry on. You know, they brought in DJ, they brought in Charlie. We finished the season quite strong. Um, and I think some of the names banded around, we were looking at them, we were thinking, you, you wouldn't want him, you wouldn't want him. Um, we've had to name names. Kind of, so, um, I was, I was trying to try think. Obviously, I think Martin Allen was one of them, Mad Dog, and we were thinking, oh, yeah, we've heard he's, he's proper. Not case. I've yeah, interviewed him actually on stuff, years yeah, ago. Yeah, you know, he's he's a, a manager that, you know, he, he loves the camaraderie and stuff, but, yeah. you know, you don't want to cross him or anything. And we had quite a few jokers at the time and stuff in the, in the squad. And, Trying to think back, who was who was? Uh... Yeah, I was just there was there was someone else as well, and apparently they were just all about fitness and running, and you know just didn't want to play football. They just and we were just like that's not you know like Graham, not West, what we want. Graham Wesley. It was, it was it was someone like that, yeah, someone like <laughs> someone like Wesley or someone. Yeah. Go on in, and then obviously he's a bit of a Holloway wild card out blue, wasn't he? Holloway, he was just yeah, he came from nowhere. yeah, he came from nowhere, got appointed and. I remember the first day pre-season we've come in and he wrote his meetings were everyone will, will know his meetings were they could be half an hour but the majority of them will be two three hours plus he sat what? there you can, get, you can get in you can get in at nine o'clock and some days we wouldn't train because he'd spoken that long or whatever and you'd be like right no point training go on the wall yeah but the, you'd be captivated right throughout right throughout it because just the way he'd say things, he'd, he'd start off like one one meeting, he'd start off about the Roman Empire and how they used to work as a, as a team of, with how they marched and won battles. And then from that, he'd go on to, and he'd go on to something else about his wife and then his dog and his chickens and stuff. And then he'd come back and, or you'd be thinking, and then at the end of it, you'd be like, wow, every one of them stories lived into what he wanted at the end. And right. he'd just have everyone on, on sort of hook. You'd be hooked listening to, to what he had to say. But um, the first meet we got in, he was going on about Swansea, how, how he's, he's, 
the year outs fun and the world are good. Mm. He'd watch so much football, but he loved watching Swansea. So, but the only thing is, he said, they just pass it for passing sake. He said, I want to pass it and pass it, but then they haven't got the ball to hurt teams. So I want to do this, this, and then I want to be able to hit that big switch because he'll be running. And thinking. So he'd drawn up two formations on, on two big boards and he said, right, wherever in that team you think you can play, put your name, put your name down in blue and in red. He said, if you think you could, you could have a go there or you'd be willing to play there. So basically, I just thought, well, I remember in blue, I put every striking position, every midfield position, and I even put right back. <laughs> and then in red, I put centre back. And I just thought, well, listen, the more, more positions I put in, the more chance you've got to play. <laughs> so I did a covering bases and... Um, you put goalie as well. <laughs> that was, I, think that, I think it was goalie and left back were the only two positions I didn't, I didn't cover, but... I think it was in one of the games. I think I did play everywhere apart from left back and goal. I think it was Crystal Palace away. We won 1-0. DJ scored the penalty and started off up front and then someone got injured and I had to go right mid. And then I think Evel went off. I think he went off with a cut or something and I ended up going to centre-back. And then, on? I wasn't at that game. No, we, 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 we hung on. We won 1-0, obviously, didn't we? But done well. And then Evel come back on and then our right back got injured. So... While they were making the sub, I played right back for about five minutes. And then when they made the sub, I went centre mid. And then I went left mid. So I played everywhere, bar, bar left back and centre back. Oh, Mr. Versatile. And yeah, it was, was definitely Mr. Versatile. But first time he spoke to me properly, I remember he pulled me and Ben Burgess. It was sort of about the second or third, third trainer session. He pulled me and Ben. He's like, Yeah, so what you just play last year? He said, so basically what I got from watching all you two last year is that you just can head a ball. What? I was like, what? He said, yeah, he said, all the Simon Gritty, he said, all you used to last year was hit the ball between you two, whoever it was closest to a challenge and then the other one would try and get on the end. He said, then that you just build from there. I was like, right, okay. He said, yeah, he said, you know, so I need just to show me what else you can do. He said, I want to see you get the ball down and, and drill people. I want to see you stay up. He said, how I want to play, you know, that switch you, that will be beneficial for what you were doing last year. So I want to see a lot more. And I remember the first first preseason friendly, um, we were playing a game and they were on the attack and I was on his side and I was gone, went to run back obviously with the Simon Grayson defensive get get back in your shape stuff and I was gone to start running back and I could hear him shouting, "What are you doing? Like, Stay up here!" So. Stayed on the halfway line. We, my fullbacks bombed on. I think Jello or someone's kicked the ball, caught, uh, caught the ball. They've kicked it to me. I think I've chested it, chipped it over one, meg someone, and then left foot scored. And as I was running back, uh, I said, See, if you would have ran back, you wouldn't have been there to do that. So you've got to listen to me. And I was like, Well, listen, if I don't have to run back, happy days. <laughs> I'll take that all day. You know, if I don't have to defend, I don't have to defend. And, um, God, what yeah, what, he, what a contrast between uh, Grayson and Holloway then, basically. Yeah, well, he, it was funny with with, that, with the wingers and with the forwards. He, he'd have to defend, but he wants you to play a sort of cat, cat and mouse game where, you know, you'd, you'd half and half go, but you'd only go if it was on your side. So if the ball wasn't on your side, you'd stay up. And only as you've seen it coming over to that side, would you then get back? Whereas in other times, you'd be like, doesn't matter where the ball is, you get back right. goal side of your man. Whereas he was like, now listen, let him go. Only when you see you, you think the danger, then get back goal side. But 
if the ball's over the other side, what's the point in being back there? He said, we win the ball, we hit you, you're in. Yeah, yeah. And that that was obviously, you know, Charlie Adam, if he had the ball and I was up there, I knew that ball was going yeah. to be. Yeah. You know, with his, his um, vision and, and how he could ping the ball and his accuracy, you know, he'd put, he'd put you through on a plate and, you know, it was absolutely perfect signings and, you know, credit to Tony Parks and Tomo for bringing them to the club, but then it's credit for Ian Holloway to battle and uh, Carl Oyston for them to actually sign them on permanence, you know. Yeah, that, that kind of leads, oh, on to, that leads on to my next question. Um, yeah. How big do you think it was that we permanently signed Charlie that season? He was a huge influence, wasn't he, really? Yeah, well, towards the end of that year, the, the year before when, when uh, Tony and Tom were in, you know, he galvanised us, he'd come in. He was a, a young player from Rangers who had some great skills, absolute fantastic player. Um, Stamped on Richard you know, Owens on his debut as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have dared himself any, any, any more to the, to the back of the fans, could he? But um, it wasn't that. It was, a, it, was a, it was an attitude and his character as well. At the time, we needed someone like that, someone who was a little bit lively, a little bit, you know, not saying he was big for his boots, but he was very self-confident. You need that sometimes though, don't you? And you, you do, you do. There's, there's, there's arrogance that some footballers have, but there's self-confidence, which Charlie had. He wasn't arrogant, he, he just, he, he had that self-confidence in being, yeah, yeah you know, I am what I am, you, you know, that, that's it. And um, He's come in, the, the year we went up, absolutely unbelievable. And as you say, to, to get him signed was, it was a, obviously a masterstroke and, you know, you look at the, the team Holloway got us promoted with, the, the playoff final team, it was only Seamus Coleman who wasn't with us the year before. Wow. That's so, right, yeah. You know, yeah. the team the team that stayed up by two, three points, Holloway's gave us a way to play and got us promoted. So just going back to Charlie for a sec, um, obviously he was instrumental in it getting us promoted, but he was obviously funded by um, Valerie Bellicon and his transfer fund. Yeah. I don't think we'd have signed Charlie if we'd have just had the Oysters pulling the strings. Um No, no. Well, as I say, I think that's with Holloway battling and battling. And I think he's made Carl go to, to Valerie and say, Well, you know, the manager wants this player, will you help me? And, you know, Valerie at that time was yeah, go on, go and do it. You know, he was he was on the essence that if, if you think it's gonna improve the club, go and do it, whereas Carl was is it going to improve the club? Yeah. How much is it going to cost? No. So, you know, that, that was the two different personalities at yeah. the time, higher up. Did you ever um, meet Valeri? And if so, what did you think of him? Or did he ever meet the players? Or Yeah, he, whenever whenever he was, he was over in England or at the games, he was always in the changing rooms, coming to the training ground. Uh, you know, we went over to Latvia a few times. Um, and... Did you stay you in know, house he, or anything or hotels? No, no, it was a, a YMCA we stayed in. I remember it was, what? It was um, honestly, it was, uh, I think I'd only been signed a week and we went over to Latvia and it was, you know, it, 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 it was like a YMCA. It was a sofa bed. It was a, a couch that pulled out yeah, into yeah, a sofa yeah. bed. That was your bed. Um, literally, Holes in the walls, so you could see into the play other players' rooms, and oh, it was it was terrible. But um, we had a good laugh. Obviously, the players and all the banter and stuff and all that um, flying about, and you know, we had a, a good few days there um, training, and 
Um, but yeah, he he was obviously more than whatever he was. But um, yeah, that was the, that was the first time I'd ever heard him. Well, he he, he sort of. Right, if you just get promoted, there's a five million pound pot for you um, to get promoted to the Premier League, and I think Carl Eastman was looking at him thinking, "That's never going to happen." I think half the players were, but did, did he actually? Yeah, did he actually say that? Two to years the players? later, did he actually yeah, say that yeah. to the players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Valley Bellacon the first year went oh seven. Um, he was like, "You just get promoted to the Premier League. I will give you five million pounds between us." And um, did you all kind you of know, laugh it off then, or did you? Yeah, take it seriously? Well, that's, yeah, that's never going to happen. We, you know, that was that was that was what we were we were saying. And, right. Um, so, but, in the run into the season, as we were sh- chasing the playoffs, and did did that? Did you all have conversations about this five million at the time, or was it just? Um, I wouldn't say the running. It was sort of towards the sort of after Christmas time, I think it was. Um, so, was it in your contract? Was, were you con- your all contract? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was in the in the in the, in the contracts, and you know we were always just outside the playoffs. Yeah, we were always seventh. We, I don't think we dropped below tenth position, and we were like, oh, yeah, what are you going to spend your money going to buy this, this car or that car? Just messing about, you know what 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 people do. If, if I'm in the lottery, with this is what I'd do. This we were saying every away trip or do this, do that, and um, it was it was surreal. But as you say. We were never below tenth that season, and I think we just had a belief that if we could hang on and stay close to that top six, we'd nick it and we'd have a chance. Yep. And um, w- I'm just going, just, just looking through that year, you know, the, the the big thing for me that year was I very very nearly left and started off. We we were unbeaten in the first five games. Then we drew four and we won. We won Coventry. I scored in the two games before it was an international break and on the Thursday we were due to we were in a Tuesday the Thursday and then we were had for like four or five days off and then we were back in on the following Tuesday and it was the Thursday in training and we were just doing little matches and stuff I remember um, Baps has slipped as he's gone into tackle me and gone right over the top of the ball and caught me right on my ankle and I just felt the worst pain ever and I I was just like, oh, what has happened here? And I think I ended up having to go for an x-ray and stuff and all that. And Ollie wasn't there. And I remember him ringing up, what time? What, what time? What? It was the last, literally the last kick of, of the game, of of training. And then I think I want to, I, mean, I was injured for the next seven games, probably about two months out it was. And I come back, obviously two months, not doing anything, your, your fitness goals and stuff. And at the time, he brushed me with quite a few players. So we in Sheffield United at half time, I think we won 3 0. And then after that, I just wasn't in the squad, wasn't playing, played a few reserve games and stuff. And it was a funny time because we weren't really training that much because the training facilities and that. So for me, trying to get fit, it was hard, you know, doing things, you, you no team training or whatever. And it was one game, and I, hadn't start, I hadn't started for, it must have been with the injury about. 12, 13 games hadn't started. So I went in to see him and he was like, listen, you're not you're not going to play. He said, you know, I've brought all these players in. At the moment, we're doing quite well. I think he beat Leeds 5-0 or something along them lines. He done, done well. You're not going to play? Right, okay. 
go on loan, go on loan for a for a few months, go on loan till till January, and you know we'll see what happens then. So in on the Monday, sorted out a loan, but he said you can't go till after the week after till because um, there was a few few players who were on loan into Blackpool that the loans were coming up, and he had to see whether he could extend it. And then the Saturday they had it was Barnsley at home, and that come on for the last minute. But in that game, we had four strikers or attacking players who all got injured. And I was due to go out alone on the Monday. All four players got injured. And after the game, he's like, listen, you can't go. You're going to have to give me a week. You, you, you know, I need to bring players in. So I was like, right, OK. So went into training on the Monday. Um, he's pulled me in. He said, listen, he said, you are our only fit striker. He said, we've got Middlesbrough away. We were flying at the time. Got Middlesbrough away tomorrow. He said, we're going to go 4-5-1. You're going to play up front. You had um, a blinder at this game. Well, yeah, it, it was just how, how, how things can change. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As I said, I'd, played, I'd only played two 90 minutes in three months before that. I think Great, we had Barry Bannon. Yeah, Barry Bannon left wing. I think it was Charlie Keith Forney. But I'm sure he played Brett right wing. I'm sure Brett was, was uh, or there was, there was someone else doing it. But we didn't have any out-and-out strikers who could play how he wanted. And I remember thinking, well, I'll play this game and then go out on loan. And then, as you say, absolute scored two to St. Ledger apart. Uh, I put that on my notes. I put that on my notes. Ex-nobber Sean St. Ledger on his arm yeah. before scoring yeah. that goal, yeah. Yeah, so obviously scored the two goals. Then you were back in the frame. But, well, the thing was, after the game, he was like, you can still go on loan. What? He's like, you know, you know, you need to get fit. You need to play. I said, well, I've just shown you. I'll play here. He was like, well, I've got all the, I've got these players coming in on loan on the back of you going. I said, well, that's your choice. Like, this, this was on the way home from Middlesbrough, I'm thinking. So, got off the bus. Um, he probably said, no. He said, I've can't, I'm, I'm going to cancel the loans. You know, stay. Um, you know. I'll, I'll, you'll be playing, you'll be starting, you know, we've got no fit strikers, so you'll be starting. And then from then, I think I played every game wow. to the end of the season sort of thing. Um, there was a little bit sort of beginning of March time, I think, where I had four games where I was injured. But other than that, I played, as I say, every game. And it could have been so close that if then players hadn't got injured, I wouldn't put God, it, you know, have been probably part of Blackpool. So these little things can, can yeah. It's like that film sliding doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, what if? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is what if? So I say, very, very nearly left the beginning. Oh, that's sort of, you know, at that time. Yeah. See if you'd have gone, things could have been totally. Well, they would have been totally different. We might yeah, not have made the Premier yeah. League. You know, God, yeah, that's funny. So I've just noted down we had a bit of that rough spell um, when we went five without a win, but um, we went on a hell of a run towards the end of March. Um, I think the run, the running, sort of started with that five-nil home demolition of Swansea, um, and they had the kind of the, the meanest defensive record at the time in the division. Um, I think you scored, Brace from Brett and Evan Burgess. And I was at yeah. the game. That was that was the game when I thought we could. Well, if, you, if you look before, just before that, yeah. Well, I, I remember that 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 game, and all through the season. Ian Holloway was like, right, we need to go and press and get in people's faces and, you know, you do that, you do, you get get, get after it and stuff. And um, I was dropped, I, think, I don't know if I had a little injury and then got dropped and 
we had Crystal Palace and Jimmy Arnfield, the, the stand opening the game before. I come on a sub. I think we were 2-0 down. Yeah, we were. That's right. I remember him just saying, you know, I'm going to change it. He said, I'm going to play. I'm going to change the system a little bit. I'm going to play 4-2-4. He said, it'll be 4-3-1, 4-2-3-1 or whatever it was. He said, but he said, when they've got the ball, I said, I want us to be a 4-2-4, but compact. He said, you front four. He said, just let the defenders and centre mid have it. He said, just let them have it and play. He said, we're not going to go and press them. Just let them have it and play. He said, and they'll just give us the ball back. He said, and use four, just go and attack. He said, it'll be 4v4, just go and attack. And he, he went a bit different because normally he'd play um, Keith Forney and Chaz. But I think he dropped, because he, he, in the t- starting team, he had me, Billy Clark, Brett and Ben starting and I played as a number 10 when we had the ball um, I sort of dropped deeper and I'm sure it was Chaz and Kiefer that ever won he never played it was the first time he'd ever changed something he said but this is why I'm going to do it he said when we get the ball do exactly what we've done but when they've got the ball just he said don't drop he said just get into your shape and just let them have it he said you'll find you won't know where to go he said because they can pass 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 and as soon as you go and press them they pass around you he said but if you just sort of show them, he said they end up giving you the ball, and they did. And I think the first the first goal was a bit of a long one. I think I won the head, and then Billy Clark shot Brett's come in and slid in. But after that, all the goals have come from them trying to play through us. For we've cut it out and gone and broken them, and 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 got a few goals. And it just shown it gave us a little bit of belief that you know he's not just some crazy madman who's got a great way of playing. He, he can change things and. He's got that tactical brain to say, well, yeah, this isn't always working. And after that, we we won four on the bounce. You know, we had Newcastle away flying. We got beat 4-1, but we, we were on fire. And we knew that going into them last few games, if, if we got into the playoffs, we wouldn't fall out of it. Mm. It was just, could we get in there? I mean, and the, the big... The big game was the away game at Scunthorpe, the the four two win. Ten minutes to go, two um, two. We were we were more than in the game, um, and Seamus Coleman went on that run, jinked past a few players. Yeah, Seamus. I remember. Um, I've, I've I've missed a chance. Things just before. I remember Charlie was <laughs> he was bombing through and didn't you know what Charlie was like? If he was on the edge of the box, he weren't passing it. Um, I think it was the only time he's passed it and I, I just weren't ready for it and I've just shot straight at the yeah, keeper yeah I remember I, that oh, no yeah I, I remember I remember slating you from the stands but then <laughs> literally about five minutes later I think I, yeah I think, I, was say, I think quite a few did no I wasn't um, I was Holloway, Holloway <laughs> I set up Shaman for his goal and then Holloway dragged me off um, <laughs> but no it, the, the one of the main games for me was Peterborough away yeah, that's that's on my. That, yeah. that was a, a a massive, you know, one nil. But we, we battered them, though, didn't we? One nil, we battered them. But we knew. I'm sure Swansea had a very very tough game. Uh, I think they were away to was it Bristol City. Right? Someone I can't remember who it was whether it was Leicester or someone or Newcastle or something. Um, and we knew that if we won and they got beat, we went above them. Yeah, we did. And there was a lot of like the the pressure. That was probably the first time I'd felt any pressure, um, but we obviously we got the goal. DJ scored. It's quite uh, early, wasn't it? It's quite early yeah, in the game. It was, it was earlier, Sean, and um, 
We just couldn't get that think, second goal, could we? Yeah, time went on and on and on. And as you say, we couldn't get that second goal and we Swansea got beat and we were in the playoffs. And after that, I think that was when we knew, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be special. This is going to be our time. Just going back to the, the Peterborough game. So I went to that game and um, it's probably one of the most surreal experiences I've known as a, being a Blackpool supporter in that all the, all the, all the fans stayed behind for like half an hour, non-stop chanting like Holloway's Tangerine Army. I mean, do you remember that? Do you remember you came out for like a, an encore almost? Yeah, we came out for the one down and obviously all the fans were still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah all the fans were still there. And, what did you all um, think yeah, of it, that? Uh, when... it, was, it was unbelievable. The, the fans that year, I think they bought into, and I think they knew the players had bought into to being with the fans. You know, the, the, the camaraderie we had from players with the fans and the fans with the players yeah. was unbelievable that year. Um, and obviously, I think because of we were flying high, we were playing well, but... Um, I think the fans knew that the group of lads that we had was a special group as well. Yeah, you know, we we achieved something obviously magnificent, but the fans that year were unbelievable. Yeah, it was a kind of a unique bond, I think. Um, yeah. Right, so let's move on to the um, the Bristol City game at home. Um, we we had to win to guarantee our playoff spot, uh, and again before the game, it, it puts uh, hairs in the back of my neck. Um, the the atmosphere before the game. Uh, relentless chant of Holloway's Tangerine Army. Could that be heard from the dressing room? And what was the what was the atmosphere in the dressing room before that game? Yeah, well, it wasn't just you could hear it from the when you when you arrived at the ground. The fans were the you know the, 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 the parking your car just coming into the ground. The fans were all there chanting everyone's names. You, you knew it was it was going to be a special day. You knew you know this was this was a big thing this was a, it, not just for the fans but for the players as well yeah. you know we wanted to get into that playoff final or the the, the, the playoffs yeah. sort of thing how, how big a, an achievement that would be, would have would have been for, for Blackpool Football Club for us as a team and you know <laughs> it, we, I think we went 1-0 down as well didn't we? We did um, Nicky Maynard he scored a worldie yeah yeah they went 1-0 down and um, I remember Brett equalising Heather from a from a cross, but we again. It was a very tight I think game. That was a game, it, yeah. But we had a few chances, and we just couldn't get that goal. But you know, we were getting told Swansea are still drawing. and you know they, you know, were still, so, still in the playoffs. The margins were so fine, weren't they? If you know if Swansea had scored, that would be it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember sort of the last last sort of minutes in the Swansea game. There's been a ball played across, and yes. if Lee Trundle would have left the ball, Prattley was clean through. Yeah, but Trundle's took a bad touch, and then I think he's 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 handled the ball or something, and he give a free kick. Uh, but they had sort of like a three on one, um, and it was it was you know when you look back, you think wow, fine margins know, again. Yeah, them them little things, them little. Little choices, but one of the main things in that year was the Notts Forest home game, the three-one um, with Wee Billy Davis. All, yeah, Wee Bill. Um, all through playoffs, we were like, right, if we get Leicester in any game, we've got no chance. As long as we don't get Leicester, we've got a chance because all through that year, probably the year before, Leicester were like a bogey team. They were beating us three 0 every game. We couldn't get near them, and that year. They were strong. Uh, I think they beat us uh, last there. We got beat 2-1 at home. 
and two on away. So we we knew they had a little bit of something over us. And I remember Billy Davis was at that game and he made something like 10 changes before the game. Yeah, that's right. And his thoughts were that he wanted to finish so he got us in the playoffs. Yeah. He wanted yeah, that's right. to finish. He, he yeah. planned it that for some reason, somehow he'd work it out that uh, we'd end up playing them in the playoff semis and <laughs> his job was done. I remember we beat them 3-1 at home and after the game he's come off and... He's rubbing his hands together, do you remember? Rubbing his hands together, yeah. See who's in the playoffs, yeah. you know. This is what I want. This is why I've done it. And, you know, all these things are going to add up and we're going to beat you in the playoffs. Right, okay, yeah. So anyway, all turned out, got them in the playoffs. So first game, we beat them 2-1. And I remember coming off and he's still there in the tunnel, shouting his mouth off, you know. You aren't going to score at our place, you know. One goal isn't enough, you know. So there's no point turning up and things like that. And you could see his, his team thinking, what are you saying? What are you doing? That's your um, team talk done for you. Yeah, right that was it. That was exactly. Ian Holloway, we come in afterwards and he's, Ian Holloway's laughing saying, do I need to say anything to use <laughs> on Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday? What what motivation do you need? And Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah, he said, you know, he's there being an ar- arrogant little whatever he said, <laughs> thinking that... Wanker! Use, yeah. You know, we've scored every game this year virtually every game this year we you know we are going to score at their place so let's go and you know absolute take the mick out of them and and crack on and get the win and say what a feeling yeah. you know when we beat them and after the game we were all stood there in the tunnel shaking out rubbing our hands together hey Billy hey, How are you? Have, a, have a good holiday and all yeah yeah you've got it you know you, you've got to play the game haven't you and, what did he do uh, I was just really weren't happy, you know. Um, but I mean, that, the, the, the worst thing was that night. Obviously, I got bloody called in for the drug testers. Um, I was in there for about three hours, so all the players were sat on the bus, three hours waiting for me. And I remember getting on the bus. All the, most of the lads was were, were steaming, and, and you know we'd had the crates on the bus and all that. But the, the three-hour wait to the done them in good, good steads whereas I couldn't have anything to drink why, why was it but, three hours couldn't you piss or something no after, you, when you, as soon as you're finished you get you to drink as much water as possible so then I'd done my first sample literally after about 10 minutes but it was too dilute too watery right so I had to wait then but obviously when you, you're dehydrated you play the full game you know it takes a while so and you had to fill up, fill up to a certain level <laughs> right. um, so yeah it t- took a while yeah, no, um, but you know what a feeling the, you, the, the celebrations in the, in the changing room and all that unbelievable. So you you couldn't really properly celebrate with the rest of the lads for three hours. So that's a bit of a bummer. But um, well, we were celebrating, but a, a drug tester was sat there watching us. <laughs> <laughs> so once once they've got you, they can't take their eyes off you. So yeah, I mean yeah, was, uh, that game is widely cited as the most memorable match ever witnessed by a lot of Blackpool fans in the modern era. I mean, on our show. We, are, we often ask people what's your most memorable game and a lot of people put that ahead of the Wembley playoff final. final. Yeah, I think I think that was the... I think just getting to Wembley at that, that stage was absolutely massive for the fans, you know, getting to another playoff final. Um, but as I said before, that night we won and the next day we all went into train and massages and met up and stuff and all that because obviously we were in a playoff final we knew we were going we didn't know we were playing yet um, so we had to 
to go in and we had to say what we wanted, what what sort of plans we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it. But all we were like, oh, you know, if we get Leicester, then you know it's going to be tough. But if we get Cardiff, we're, we're promoted. We had that belief that. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. If 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 we if Cardiff beat Leicester, we we were up. We were we were in the Premier League, and again, it, it wasn't arrogance because just confidence. We knew that. Well, not that we knew, but Leicester, we didn't have that confidence. Whereas against Cardiff, right. Right. We, we just had that confidence that we we could go on and beat them. We would go on and beat them, and I think you could see that in the game. You know, they scored twice, went ahead twice, but we always didn't. We had the belief we got ahead. We we got back, we got ahead, but when we went ahead, you didn't see the belief that they could get back into it. And I think that was the main difference. I mean, I went to that game quietly confident, the the Cardiff game, the final. Whereas was the West Ham game, I had a I had a bad feeling about it. Um, both my feelings kind of turned out to be true. So, right, we'll we'll wrap it up now, guys, because I want to cover the um, yeah. playoff final in a bit more detail. And it's uh, we've, no been, we've been going on for two hours nearly. That's all. So, so this can conclude um, part one. We'll do yeah. we'll do part two either tomorrow or the day after. Um, no we've also got a load of fans' questions to ask you. Yeah. So that was a yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, First part no of this interview. Um, yeah, time flies, doesn't it, when you're uh, yeah. reminiscing. Yeah. So, yeah, well, go and have a drink, go and rehydrate. Yeah, that's, I've done quite a few podcasts, and you, I think, yeah, yeah, three, four, four, four hours plus. You just yeah. get talking and it just goes on, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, but yeah no problem. It's basically the same time tomorrow or yeah. Wednesday, that'll be fine. We'll go, crack on. Go and rehydrate, have your drug yeah. test. Uh, <laughs> yeah. ho- hopefully, yeah. a pass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no problem. Right, right. All right. Cheers. Thanks yeah. a lot, guys. More. Speak right, later. Cheers, mate. Bye. Hi all, just a few quick messages before you head off. I'd just like to ask if you haven't already to please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps the show grow, gain more exposure. So if you go to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash review, that'll redirect you to the iTunes review site. So if you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. Just to make you aware, you can listen to this show on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Pocket Casts and Google Podcasts. And if you're not listening to this on a podcast app, I highly encourage you to do so because it is the best way to listen because you get them sent automatically. If you're on social media, we are on there. So please do give us a follow. If you're not doing so already, we're on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Seasiders Pod is my handle. So I'm sure if you search for that or just Seasiders Podcast, you'll find us on there. So if social media is not your thing, we do have an email list. So if you want to sign up to that, you'll get an email whenever we do release a new show. So go to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash email and sign up there. And finally, if you do enjoy what we're doing here and you want to chip in a few quid every month to help pay for our production costs and gear upgrades, please consider joining our Patreon supporter program where you'll get lots of exclusive content and services in return. So head on over to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash support to find out more. Right, I promise that's the last you'll hear from me. See you on the next pod. Over and out. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.